Well, this morning, um, we're going to look at Joseph, the witness of the divine birth. Now, in 50 years of, of ministry, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on Joseph. And um, hopefully today we'll uh, kind of add some new light on Joseph and uh, what his, his um, how can I say it? His viewpoint of the virgin birth. So in Luke, excuse me, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home with you as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So it's important as we look at the different Gospels that each of them have some similarities Matthew and Luke, they have some similarities, but there is also some differences, or not, not in contradiction, but in addition to each, each of their um, approaches to the birth of Jesus. In this text, Matthew brings out the outstanding testimony of Joseph. Most of the time, uh, for myself, you read over this, and Joseph just seems to be this abstract figure that is there, that, you know, he's to be this espoused husband of Mary, and somehow um, that's about the, the only role he plays. But there's very much, there's a testimony we find in all of this that Joseph is putting forth. One is that um, Joseph could have, could have divorced Mary, and in doing that, you see, whenever we think of betrothal, we don't think of it in this, this context, but at that time, betrothal meant basically marriage in which they didn't live together yet. And so they were betrothed for a certain period of time, and then came the wedding. Well, Joseph had to be a, an individual who had some type of uh, uh, trade, and after he had established himself as a credible person, then he could be married to a young, a young girl. And so... Um, that's how the, 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 um, the system worked. Because young girls, 13, 14, 15 years old, would, betroth, would be betrothed by a family to someone who had a trade or could make a living. And so Joseph and Mary, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And in that betrothal period, whether it be, uh, you know, it could be upwards of a year or longer, that um, this young girl... 13, 14 years old, would become the, ma the wife of this man, but not until the wedding day. 
So this betrothal period was a very sacred period, and it was considered to break that betrothal was to write a divorce, that they, they were to be divorced and had to be taken uh, two witnesses had to sign, and they could separate, and Mary could go her way, and Joseph would go his. But what Joseph was doing was, whenever he, um, he was a righteous man, we find that his character is outlined in the scriptures over and over again. In Matthew 13, verse 54, um, this is Jesus who is speaking. He is coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judas? And aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? Well, Whenever it states this idea or this commentary, isn't this the carpenter's son? Uh, often, you know, we um, kind of look at it in a, a, that we're looking at Jesus and it's a verification of Jesus that this is the carpenter's son. But one of the way of looking at that is this is the carpenter's son who is a well-credited man. How did he get a son that can, thinks himself a Messiah? <laughs> how did he come up? How did that that son come along and produce all these miracles and, and have all of this wisdom. So it was almost like uh, Joseph is the one who has the character, uh, has the character that people are looking at and wondering, how could he have an offspring like Jesus? So this idea of building the character of Joseph is referred to um, often when it says that, you know, couldn't Joseph have divorced Mary? And and in the consideration, as you look at the story, you have Joseph, he is a very righteous man. He is a man who is very godly, who is pious, he is a keeper of the law. Now the law says, and we'll just kind of, Terry, I'm just going to abandon all those scriptures, you know, so just, you just throw them away. I, know, I got all these scriptures in, uh, of different uh, Deuteronomy and things like that, whenever the law says if a man finds his wife to be unfaithful, his espoused wife to be unfaithful, he can write her a divorce. Well, or have her stoned. Primarily, that was the first thing. A righteous man keeping the law could have this um, disgraceful event of his, his espoused wife being with a child that he could have her stoned. And Joseph doesn't want to do that. But so he finds out that Mary is having a child. So he listens to Mary. What is your, you know, tell me your story. Now, if you can imagine being Joseph and you hear this story that says, uh, well, this angel came to me one night and told me that I was going to have a son and that I would not be at the... Uh, result of having a relationship with a man, it would be divinely conceived and it would be the Son of God. Okay, Mary, I think I believe you. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't say that at all. Well, Joseph was not naive to just say, oh yeah, okay, Mary, I hear your story. That's pretty far-fetched. 
um, I think I'll write you a divorce, <laughs> okay? So in his desire to, to be a, a good character, you know, his, his godly character, he doesn't want to hurt Mary. But being a righteous person, he, he wants to separate himself from all of the stigma that goes with Mary being pregnant and they're not being married. So all of that disgrace would have come upon Joseph had he gone through with the marriage espousal and taking Mary to be his wife. All of that would have come back on Joseph as if he had done something wrong. So Joseph is wanting to, in a kind way, he's wanting to help Mary out, but yet separate himself from this disgrace. So Joseph plans to, number one, he's not naive enough to say, oh yeah, I believe that, let's get married, you know. He says, no, I don't believe you. I believe that you've had an affair and uh, that I have, I'm not going to have you stoned, but I'm going to give you a divorce and you can go away quietly. That was Joseph's thought, okay? Well, we find that Joseph, being a just man, didn't want that to happen. I mean, he wanted that to happen. But then something happened. We find that the angel, the angel came to Joseph in a dream. And what happens is the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. Okay? Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, being a pious man, knew how important it was to maintain that pious state within the Jewish system. And he did not want to have anything that would discredit him as, a, as an individual because it was very much a part of their society that you would obey the laws and keep the laws as best you could and that you would be a good man. And Joseph was that type of person. And so we see in the building of the character of Joseph that he is known for his character, that he is a good man, and that we see him that he is not a naive individual to say, oh, yeah, well, Joseph, yeah, she's, she, yeah, she was with an angel. Okay, we'll just let it go with that. He's not that naive. So he hears her story, says, I'll, I'll give her a divorce. I'll just let her go away quietly. But you see, the subject of a, virgin, of a virgin birth is so amazing, and this topic is so important that God himself has to intervene on behalf of Mary and her unborn son. And so the angel of the Lord comes to um, Joseph and talks to him and gives him this revelation that Mary is innocent of any crime. Mary is innocent of breaking the law because what is conceived in her, I will, she will give birth to a son. And you, Joseph, who is, who is the legitimate heir of David, will adopt him and he will be your son. And you, Joseph, are to call his name Jesus. Joseph is the one who names the son. Joseph is the one who gives the name Jesus to him. 
And that name is the name that is above all names, which is a name that is reflective of God. And so the results that Joseph was not misled by Mary and that he was not misled by his emotions of, you know, I, I love Mary and I want her to be my wife. No, he was restricted by the law that said she's either to be stoned or I am to divorce her. And Joseph, his character of mercy, which is the character of God. And Joseph found in the law, see, most of us think of the, the Ten Commandments as laws. These are the laws of God, break these, you all go to hell. Well, God gives us these laws to protect us and provide for us. You see, four of the laws deal with our relationship with God, and six deal with our relationship with people. And these relationships, God is saying, don't break them because they will protect you. They will protect you from destroying your life and destroying your relationships. So they are not, you know, like commands God saying, break this and, you're, you know, you're, you're done for them or you're toast. He says, you, you want to be protected in who you worship and who you serve. Have no other gods before you. So we find that one other thing uh, in, in, this, in this study that I, I came up with, that I found, that in Genesis 3.15, the Amplified Bible says, and I will put enmity, this is in Genesis after um, Adam and Eve and uh, Eve had fallen and is tricked by the serpent. I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, between your seed, your offspring, and her seed. Did you notice that, in, and also in Isaiah, the passage talks about, Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen very carefully. The virgin. The virgin. Not a virgin, but the virgin. There's only one. <laughs> and in all of this context, we have the virgin, Mary. She is the one that has is the one appointed by God to be the, the, to receive Jesus Christ, the conception of, of, of the divinity into her human womb. So we find that wisely ordered was the response of Mary to Joseph, not only to give value to his testimony that Jesus is God, in a divinely conceived by the Holy Spirit, but also to shield Mary and to be a father figure to Jesus. Joseph has to be a very credible individual, and it is his life and his testimony that adds another, another as it were, um, addition to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ because Joseph goes along with and accepts the, the word of Mary because he has received also the same message. And it's important for us to know that the incarnation is God becoming man. Jesus is divine, completely divine, but he took his divinity, set it aside, to become holy man, completely a person like you and I. Yet in that whole idea, 
he never sins. In him is the ability and the strength to stay away from, tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. And so it is this Messiah, this Emmanuel, God with us, that has come to save us from our sin. So he is the Lamb of God who offers himself on the cross so that we might have life, we might have eternal life through his death, the shedding of his blood, and the resurrection. Because he lives, we shall live also. These are the things that we find in the testimony of Joseph. We have his testimony that Mary was a virgin. We have the news was delivered to Joseph by an angel. And Joseph was very much a part of this revelation to, to, uh, uh, to the marriage. Joseph took Mary to be his wife. All barriers between man and God were removed because of the virgin birth of, of, of Jesus. The Christmas story is where God comes to us as an infant without status and without privilege. He is a baby, weak and frail. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, born to a poverty couple. And there he finds himself born in a barn and laid in a manger. And one of the reasons, you know, I think one of the great realities of the Christmas story is that Mary and Joseph were in the wrong place for Jesus to be born. <laughs> because they were in Nazareth. And Jesus, Micah the prophet, says he must be born in Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph not being in the right place, the king says everybody has to go back to their hometown of their descendants to be taxed. And so with that decree... Joseph has to go back to his hometown, which is the city of David, which is his ancestry home. Ancestry home, And Joseph and Mary take this 80-mile journey. Takes them, what, maybe 10 miles a day. And on this donkey to travel to the place in Bethlehem and arrive there just in time to fulfill the prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Could, no, could not find room for him in the inn, because the place was too crowded. And like many people's lives, they are too crowded to receive the Messiah. He doesn't seem to be important enough. And so they never find room for him. But you know, those who look for him find him. And we find that the shepherds heard the message of the angels. And they came to Bethlehem. And they found the babe just as had been told to them. So all of these things lined up from prophecy 700 years earlier, lined up for the event of the birth of Jesus. And Joseph named his son Jesus. (laughs) So there we have another approach to the birth of Christ, verifying Mary is, was a virgin, and she, that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. Merry Christmas. (laughs) we celebrate Christmas as the birth of Christ we have a lot of other things attached to it but the primary importance is we celebrate Christmas because of Jesus and all these other things are just extra so never lose sight it's Jesus 
That's the reason we are here. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this Christmas season. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that is in our heart of eternal life and the forgiveness of sin. How you came. And Lord, you didn't allow anything in life to insulate you from the realities of the life that we live. God, you experienced all of the temptations and the sorrows and the difficulties that we as humans face. Yet, Lord, you did not give, give up on who you were and why you were here. So, Lord, let the power of your Spirit be birthed in us as we confess our sin and repent of our sins and ask you to forgive us and be part of our life. That is the reason you came, that we might find you, not a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, but the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We confess our sin and ask you to forgive us and establish our heart in peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.